0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. When they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said in reply, No, he will be called John. But they answered her, There is no one among your relatives who has this name. So they made signs, asking his father what he, wished him to, what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name. And all were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue freed, and he spoke, Blessing God. Then fear came upon all his neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to Israel. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. As our prayers and readings indicate, today we celebrate not a Sunday of ordinary time, but rather the solemnity of the Nativity, or the birth, of St. John the Baptist. That should strike us for two reasons. One, the simple fact that in the liturgical year, there are only three days where we honor someone's earthly birth. They are Jesus, Mary, and John. Everyone else, all the rest of the saints, when we honor them, we honor not the day of their birth, but the day of their death, where they enter into the reward of their labors. So one, the fact that so few of these days show us that it is indeed quite important, but even more so that it trumps the Sunday celebration, that the feast is of such great rank that the Sunday celebration steps aside for the feast of the Nativity of St. John. Both of these things should call us to a certain special reflection today for what it is the Lord speaks to us. When we look at the things of the story of St. John the Baptist, we recognize that it is ultimately one of a reminder that God is with us, that he has not forgotten us. The person of St. John comes as the one who prepares the way for the Christ— We know that the Lord God had promised that he would send a Messiah, he would send a Savior. It was foretold in the first chapters of Genesis. And for centuries, millennia, the human race waited. They waited for a long time. And nothing seemed to be improving. Indeed, the Lord God came and he chose the people of Israel and he promised that he would do many things among them. He would give them a promised land that through them all nations would be blessed that they would have great honor in the power and the presence of the Lord. He promised them many things, and they all took place. And they all fell apart, it seemed, by the time that John was even born. For 1,500 years, the Israelites were waiting for the Christ. In the meantime, before his coming, they had established a kingdom and been conquered multiple times. They had been exiled on two different occasions. Exile meant that another another country, another king, basically came in, conquered you in military, and then so that you wouldn't be able to rise up as a nation and rebel and take back authority, they would take portions of the population and send you out to the four corners of the empire to separate you so greatly that you would never see your home again. You would remain there forever. And that happened to them not once, but twice. (laughs) The promise of God that they would have the promised land, most of that land had been taken by military conquest. The Lord God that was with them had been lost. Their temple had been destroyed at least once already. It was subsequently rebuilt. But then the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, they took out one day into battle, thinking that surely the Lord would be with them and they would conquer Except they were conquered, and the ark taken as ransom, and they never saw it again. The presence of God in the physical manner that they understood it in the temple was gone. They were under even at the time of the Christ, rule from a foreign power that simply oppressed them with taxes and labor. In all of that place where all of these things where it seemed like the promises of the Lord had been completely lost. This is the place where John comes. He comes as a sign that the Lord has not forgotten you. He is coming. And indeed, he is here. The presence of John is a reminder to us of the faithfulness of God, even when it seems like the Lord has left us. Even when it seems, as Isaiah would say in the reading today, that all of my labor seemed as pointless, as useless, labor wasted. But we know, even despite those things, that the Lord is our recompense. He is our payment. Then in the midst of all of these labors, in the midst of the valley of tears in which we walk, God is here. This is what we hear, especially in the Gospel. The backstory to the Gospel is especially important for us, and we heard it at the Nativity's Vigil yesterday evening. Today we hear about how Zechariah comes and he proclaims that John is his name. But this is the end of the beginning. At the beginning Zechariah goes and he's chosen by Lot. The norm was that they would that the the community, the priestly tribes, and each of the fathers of the family was entrusted as a priest, and they would they would gather together as a community and they would draw lots, and if your lot was chosen, if your name was chosen, you were the one to go and represent the priestly people to go and offer worship in the temple, to go stand before God, to offer the prayers, to sing the hymns, to offer the incense. And Zechariah had been chosen by Lot it had fallen to him to go and to do these things in the name of the people and so he went into the temple to offer worship there at the altar of incense he beholds an angel of god and the angel says you will have a son his name will be john and zechariah rather than an act of faith like mary receives and has whenever the angel comes to her john goes or zechariah rather zechariah looks at the angel and he says I'm an old man. My wife's not too young either. We're past childbearing age. How in the world are you going to allow us to have a child now? I prayed for this for years and nothing ever happened. God was quiet then. And now? Now we're going to have a child? Rather than an act of faith, it's a challenge of faith. (laughs) He says, God can really do that here? In this situation? And because of his lack of faith... He is struck mute on the spot, unable to speak. He comes out of the temple, he comes out of the veil, and everyone is looking at him because he had been there an extraordinarily long time. And usually you go in, you offer the incense, and then you come back out. You don't spend too much time just kind of doing whatever happens on there. And the fact that he came, they was in there longer and came out mute, they knew something had to happen. And they didn't exactly know what. And so... Zechariah finishes his turn at the temple and he goes home. Soon his wife indeed does conceive. And they bear a son. This is where our gospel begins today. Now I don't know whether maybe John or maybe Zechariah was able to communicate to his wife the name of the child. Maybe she received it herself. But ultimately they come and they're going to name the child Zechariah after his father. It was the norm. You don't name someone, you don't name a child after someone who's not in your family tree. You don't name your child after someone else's grandpa, basically. It's a common rule. <laughs> and they come to name the child Zechariah, and his mom, Elizabeth, goes, no, his name is John. They say, well, that can't be. Nobody in your family is named John. This isn't something that we do. You've got to follow the tradition, right? And they look at Zechariah, who's mute, and they say, <laughs> you know, Zechariah or John? And on a tablet he writes, John is his name. And as soon as he writes it, he's able to speak. And he opens his mouth, blessing God. It wasn't that he just simply wrote on a tablet. It wasn't that it was some kind of magic trick. It was a manifestation of the fact that he had moved from a place of lack of faith in God to a place of radical faith in God. That in writing John is his name, he was looking back and he was hearkening to the moment of that encounter with the angel in the temple. And he says, Lord, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I doubted you. I didn't think that you could do this. But here, you've provided us a son. You want his name to be John? John is his name. Period. Period. The child, John, the Baptist, as he would come to be known, without even speaking a word, already becomes an instrument by which people come to faith in God. And that was his whole mission. People began to hear and to spread it all around the countryside, as it says. Did you hear what Zechariah did? <laughs> he talked. He was mute. He was the one that, he was the one that went into the temple and became mute, and he came out, and he speaks again. And the old man had a son. Can you believe it? He must be something special, this child. All around the countryside, people's hearts begin to wonder and to ponder already, what is God doing here? The presence of the child, John, already was stirring up faith in the people of God. Such that whenever the Christ would come, faith was there. It was alive, active, and hungry. John, as he would go later on in life, as he would begin his mission, would call people to repentance and come to receive a baptism, a washing, to prepare them for the baptism that would come, the baptism from sin, the baptism into the body of Christ. The person of John stirs the waters, in a sense, to be able to bring about the gift of faith. And he does the same today this is the reason why it's so important for us to celebrate this feast. It is because what John does, what he did 2,000 years ago, he still does today. That he comes to us and he still stirs within us the gift of faith. His presence shows us that despite all the things contrary in the eyes of the world, that God is still with us. He has not forgotten us. As we go through our own personal trials in the course of our days, as sometimes we look at the front page of the paper and we read the litany of what violent acts have happened in the last 24 hours, it seems. How much the world has continued to go down the hole, it seems. And so many of the the negative things that may be happening around us and even within us, it can be a sign sometimes that we're tested. That just like Zechariah, When the Lord says, I'm here with you and I want to do something good and holy and beautiful. Sometimes when we look around us or when we look in our hearts, we look at him and we go, really? In this situation? With all this that's going on? But all of that is simply the background of the invitation. A call to faith. To recognize that there is absolutely nothing that can keep God away from us. There's nothing that happens in this earthly life that is a sign that God has abandoned us. Because he hasn't. He's a father. And he comes to us and he longs for us simply to come to him. So as we offer this holy mass, we give thanks to God for the gift of the person of St. John the Baptist. He who continues to stir faith up within our hearts. And as we come to celebrate these sacred mysteries... In so many places where the Lord invites us to recognize that he is at work. That he has not forgotten us. He has not abandoned us. If there is any place within our hearts where we struggle to understand it, to accept it. To consent to the will of God. Whatever it may be. We ask the Lord through the intercession of good St. John the Baptist. Lord Jesus, increase our faith.